What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Deer Vein podcast. Again, this is part of the Deer Vein Whitetail series. Um, we got uh, one to two podcasts a week rolling out, and they're rolling out about a week before the actual time frame of the season that we discuss. So the podcast that you listen to in this series, you can actually use in the woods this fall, and you can be just like Sean Lockdale, who we got on the line here, and you can kill big deer every year with all of his tactics and secret information that he's going to give us today. <laughs> so before before we get started and I introduce them, um, we are, I just want to drop a quick line for our sponsors this year and our partners. We got Vector Custom Arrows. Um, if you don't want it, if you're trying to have, if you're having issues with your bow, uh, you can't get it to tune, your fixed blades are flying, you know, five inches to the right at 20 yards, all this stuff. Vector Custom Shop, they'll build arrows specific to your bow, your draw length, your draw weight, and all that, so that at least you can you can rule out the fact that it's your arrow that's causing you to do that. It's probably just bad form, and you need to go work on your form, which I know I had to do a lot, but uh, <laughs> but that, that can certainly help. So Vector Custom Shop, give them a ring, um, let them build some arrows for you, and they're really not that expensive. You know, 90 bucks, I think, is a half dozen Look at custom built arrows, which really isn't that expensive at all comparatively to what you're buying a half dozen for at the store anyway nowadays. So we got those guys, we got Onyx Maps. So any public private land boundaries, offline usage, online usage, uh, crop data, waypoints, all that stuff. Like it's a phenomenal app, go get it. You're gonna, you're not gonna regret it. And I know Sean, you're probably on that every single day during season, just like I am scrolling through different areas, wishing you would have sat somewhere else cause you're not seeing shit. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. It's all yep. the time. <laughs> um, all right. And then the last, the last uh, partner we got this year is uh, Venado. So Venado makes lifestyle apparel. Um, so if you're going out, you want to buy a new sweatshirt, you want to buy a new flannel, you want to buy some badass hunting shirts, um, some pants, jackets, whatever. Check out Venado. They make some awesome stuff, really high quality. It is a little expensive, but at the same time, you're getting really high quality gear. And also the money that you're go that you're spending is going to a hunting friendly company. Like they are 100% on board with the hunting community. They actually do 2% back to conservation. So 2% of your dollars go back to a, a organization of your choice. And then also um, it just, you know, you're supporting other hunters. You're not supporting anti-hunters or somebody else. Like I, I want to say Nike's like anti-hunting, like they're not necessarily for it. Um, so yeah, you're not supporting those guys, people who want to ruin your hunting heritage. You're supporting guys who are actually going to uh, appreciate that and say thank you. So go check those guys out. And now let's get let's get on the horn with Sean. What's up, Sean? What's going on, man? Appreciate you having me on here. Just uh, got done checking some trail cameras today. Well, one, um, and then I had to put some batteries in another one. So nice. Find got home. Good uh no it's actually been really really slow lately so yeah <laughs> ah, it is what it is. but I, that's gonna change for sure yeah. like we last night we got a cold front um which is the first one in a while mm -hmm. and we probably had 15 20 degree temperature swing so the next few days ought to be pretty decent um and i think everything will, will really start to change up a little bit yeah i know it's right now today it's september 21st we're recording this podcast early um, this will probably release, I don't know, late October sometime. And we're doing this because Sean gets super busy and it's impossible to get him out of the tree to do this, or he's doing it at like 10 PM and he's getting up at 4 AM. So might as well just knock this out and get it out of the way right away. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, um, how often do you check your cameras early season? Are you going out there like once a week or are you just, um, I'm actually starting to run more and more cell cameras and mm. this one that I needed to I needed to swap batteries out on the cell, um, which I'm not really sure why that one died. It's on a solar. Um, and I was messing with it while I was there to make sure the solar didn't disconnect. So I don't know why that one died, but, um, put new batteries in it. And while I was there, I have another, um, just trail camera that's on video mode. that's not too far from there. And so I was like, I'll just pull the card while I'm here. But I like, sure. I would say on average, if I didn't have, um, you know, cells that were in the area, I would probably wait um, weather dependent, I would say on average, like week and a half to two weeks on cameras. But yeah. if there's like particular weather patterns that have come through, then I'll check them maybe a little more, a little more often. Or like, I have some right here behind my house, um, that are super accessible. I, I live on like 60 acres. And so, um, and there's a lot of houses kind of in the area. So it's sort of suburbish a little bit. 
Okay. Um, I feel like you can get away with a lot more around here, like checking trail cameras and whatnot. Um, sure. Depending on the wind too. But um, so that like around here, I would say that I check the trail cameras, you know, one, once a week. When you get bored. Yep. Pretty <laughs> like, much. What's out there this week? Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's not far. Like I'm not like, you know, going a long distance through a bu- like a bunch of property to, to get to it. And so. Sure. If they're easy accessible, easily accessible, I'll, uh, I'll check them pretty, pretty often. Okay. Do you actually do that? Like during the rut, are you, or the pre-rut, are you going out there and checking them often as well? Um, or not uh, as much. I probably wouldn't say it changes too much either. Cause I do okay. have a cell cam back here too, as well. Like, and at that point I will have them, uh, I'll have the cell cams on, on a scrape, uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. And so if, um, if a buck's in the area, he's going to be hitting that scrape most likely. And so I'll know that he's in, in the area. And then at that point, um, if I'm getting him regularly, that will kind of depend on when I'm going to check my other trail cameras. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. That's, that kind of leads into what we're talking about today, guys. And that is the, the rut. So Sean, Sean, certainly, uh, from Heartland Bowhunter, if you haven't heard of Heartland Bowhunter, go check them out. They have great Instagram, great YouTube, um, great online presence. Are you guys still doing carbon TV? Uh, we just put like, uh, our digital series, which is behind the draw. Okay. on there but we also put that on youtube as well and pretty much anywhere we possibly can it's on facebook instagram it's all over the place so gotcha That's okay yeah so they have that and then you have your actual real episodes that air on the outdoor channel you got the dvds right. and all that stuff too yep so and digital download as well if people um, yes if people don't have the outdoor channel they can they can purchase the entire season um through vhx and everyone's like well what's vhx i don't have that it's like it's the same thing as um as itunes we were on itunes but like with the fees and whatnot, we were getting tired of paying stuff like that to, to go on there. Um, sure. so we switched to just doing VHX. It's the same thing. Like you literally just buy the episode and um, have it available for digital download for as long as you want. Oh, nice. I got to check that out. Mm-hmm. Go look at that. Um, all right. Well, so yeah, you guys can go look at it, all of their footage and all that stuff. They, they do some phenomenal cinematography. So really high quality videos. And then obviously they shoot a lot of deer. These guys, I mean, you got you, you got Skylar, you got Clayton, you got Mike. Um, who am I missing? Uh, we've got Ty, we've got Nate, um, got Clay Craft and Derek Leininger and Trent Siegel. Yeah. So, and then my dad as well yeah yeah good old rex <laughs> yeah got, got a handful of guys it's, yep yeah so lots of good deer going down um and again today we are talking about the pre-rut and the rut and you guys have all your private property that you guys manage and and hunt often but there was a tag last year and a, and a fun hunt that you went on that you're also going to do again which is an iowa public land tag right yep, yep. all right so yeah let's start let's start with that. You want to tell that, that story of that haunt and everything and follow through. And then also, um, then we can flip over to some of your strategies that you guys are going to be implementing and and how you guys go about, um, your private land stuff. And one of the things that we talked about real quick before we hopped on the podcast was some decoys, how those are working for you. I know we talked with Mike last year on that. So getting your perspective on it as well and, um, and go from there. Sound good. Yeah. Sounds okay, great. cool. So tell them, let's hear about your Iowa story. So, um, yeah, last fall I drew an Iowa tag. I want to say that I probably had four points to draw that tag and it was a Southern Iowa tag, um, which is the, the hardest to draw. I mean, you could probably draw, I would assume in the North central Northwestern side almost every year, but there's just not nearly as much cover. There's not even as much public, um, and, it's just main essentially crop fields, which there's nothing wrong with that, but it's all private. And, um, I guess if you have the hookup up there, then by all means, that'd be a great place to hunt. I don't, I don't have that there. So I saved up my points for the Southern Iowa and, you know, it was, um, I would say it was in the middle of the summer when I found out, yeah, it was when I drew the tag. I was like, all right, for one, I got the tag. So now I got to figure out where I'm going to hunt. And I'm like, man, I feel like over the last decade or two, you always hear about guy. Well, I mean, pretty much anytime anyone's ever drawn a southern iowa tag you're like yeah i've got so-and-so's farm i'm going to hunt um you know there's just giant deer running all over they've got trail cameras of this buck and this buck and this buck and um you know i'm gonna, I'm gonna kill a giant and i'm not saying that i haven't done that because i haven't it's freaking awesome and um i don't 
blame anyone for for doing that it, it's that's what you think of when you think of Iowa but I was like yeah. I want to try and do something different that I that I've never done before and that um, I want to challenge myself I've never killed a whitetail on public land and um, you know no better place than to try it in southern Iowa yeah. and there's actually a lot of public land down uh, up there from I'm mm-hmm. sorry in southern Iowa and so um that was my strategy going into it so immediately i got on onyx and i started just marking all these different properties i want to check out and so um when october rolled around chandler and i the guy that films me we were in northern missouri at our farm hunting and i was like let's roll up there for a day or two and uh, and hang some cameras check you know walk some pieces and figure it out and actually it was really only one day we just made a day trip up there and we got up really early drove up there and just started driving through pieces and checking them out and hiking in and trying to figure stuff out. I want to say it was probably, I don't remember the exact date, maybe like the 15th or the 20th, somewhere in that time frame. And so um, we hung some cameras there. So they were going to sit there for about two weeks and um, we found stands, um, we found boot tracks, we found, you know, the whole nine yards going into places. And it was, it was actually pretty puzzling um, because you're like, man, you know, everything on this map looks great where I'm going to, but every time I get there, it really isn't as great as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and, and I think what was going on there is what we quickly figured out was that everybody else was doing the exact same thing that we were. And so um, really, it just came down to trying to find that, that needle in a haystack, which was just that perfect spot and uh, where you weren't going to run into pressure and you could sure. find a good travel corridor or just a lot of deer for that matter. And um we started hunting i want to say or we got up there like maybe november 1st november 2nd right around there and um we really spent i think the first day or two just scouting hanging cameras and stands and trying to figure it out and um once we started hunting we had a couple different spots pinpointed that um we weren't we were, we were I, basically i was convinced that there weren't really there really wasn't much pressure in there and the first place that i can think of that we hunted um, we never did actually see another guy hunting there. Um, but what I quickly noticed with that spot and another spot was immediately you walk in from the parking lot or the parking area and we were seeing deer sign within the first hundred yards. And I'm like, man, that's weird. This must just be at nighttime, you know, whatever. Yeah. Kind of wrote it off. And so we'd hike in there and hunt. And that first spot, we didn't, like I said, we didn't run anyone and we had some good hunts, but it was really only one good tree in like this river bottom. And you could oversee the whole river bottom and it, it was great for that from that aspect but um gosh you could probably see at least a half a mile and calling to deer way off in the distance they just couldn't hear me um, and there was really no other option to get any closer so it was a good spot um from a vision standpoint just a tough spot to get deer in close um, we did have one close encounter with a good buck um, and the decoy um early on but it was late in the evening and he just never he actually never did see the decoy uh he got to about 100 yards and then we ran out of light so like, all right well let's hmm. try another spot so we go to another spot not far from there with the decoy and uh we weren't far from the truck at this time we we're probably two to three hundred yards from the truck and it wasn't a very big piece wind in our face wind blowing right back to the truck like this is great like a river bottom um with more tree options and the decoys in front of us and then we have like the river where there's a lot more trees maybe 200 yards away and we saw um saw a couple bucks it was a morning hunt we saw a couple bucks small bucks cruising through and then at about 9 10 o'clock this was on a saturday i believe um chandler got my attention like, there's somebody coming and i look back kind of off to behind us to the side a little bit basically right coming from the truck here comes two guys with bows and climbers and they just walked they kind of circled around us a little bit. They didn't know where we we were at and uh, went up into those, into the river bottom, basically 200 yards away, straight up wind (laughs) and went into the trees. And I was like, there goes that hunt. So we pulled our stuff from there and I was like, let's go somewhere else. And that, that particular piece was probably only one to 200 acres. And so I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess with that one um, anymore. And so from there we went to a really, really big piece of, um public where i had put a trail camera checked the trail camera and uh we had a pretty good deer he's probably 150s 160s in there and um 
cruising through at nighttime, but it's the rut. You never know. So yeah, I was like we need to hang a stand somewhere around here. Um, let's go around kind of down this draw a ways. And there's another um, road that leads in there to the dead end. And we'll, we'll go in there and see what sort of sign we can find. And so we went in there. It was warm that evening um, or that afternoon. And um, we were just going to hang and hunt. We went one way not much sign so we're like all right let's go the other way we'll immediately we come back through the parking lot again and we start finding all this deer sign right away and i was like man maybe we're overthinking this and we just continue to think that we've got to go far deep into these places and the deer are actually fairly close to the parking lot like it was it was pretty warm we had like a i think a slight i think it was a north wind maybe it was south whatever it was really hot so maybe it was a south wind i want to say it was it was definitely like 70 degrees that day and in early November, first week of November. And I'm like, you know what? I don't expect much, but you never know. It's the rut. Anything can happen. So we hung a stand yeah. maybe 200 yards from the parking lot, if that. In fact, I, I actually drove my truck further up the road to get it away from the parking lot. So like you couldn't you see, see my it? truck from the stand. And like it just would, you know, hopefully if a deer came in, it wasn't going to get scared from my truck. Well, yeah, we got set up, I want to say like 2, 2.30. And um, we're right on this creek creek line and right by my, my other cam- my camera where we had that big buck was probably 300 yards down the river bottom um through the trees and um, you couldn't see it or anything like that but um thinking well maybe we'll somehow get this buck coming through here or whatever and about like 3 three thirty, um we can hear someone driving down the road i'm like oh boy you know someone's probably coming to hunt and sure enough a guy comes all the way down to the parking lot right there parks his truck and goes walking in um and he actually went where kind of the first direction where we had initially gone to to set up um but a little bit closer to us and he was actually a little bit downwind of us so i was like you know what whatever you know if, if deer come from that direction that's where our wind's blowing you know it's not going to work out too well for him i don't think and maybe he's going you know a mile away so at that, that yeah. point whatever I, I wasn't too worried about it and then at about four o'clock we saw a little buck um and he was bumping a doe then another doe and starting to make a lot of noise the wind had pretty much died way down it was very light um and then from my trail camera you could hear um some leaves crunching and the buck that ended up killing uh started coming coming out of there he could hear those other deer and that other buck running and uh he comes right in um to the creek gets into the creek bed just walking down the creek it was awesome and then he went up over on the other side of the creek and started running the does around and then he hit a scrape and that's where I shot him. And, um, I mean, if you haven't seen the episode, I'll just give you the, the spoiler alert. I, it was like a 45 yard shot. And, uh, I, to this day, I, I don't hundred percent know what happened, but I looked back at the video and I think I actually flinched because I was so freaking nervous and shot, right. He's quartering away and, yeah. um, shot, right. And I, uh, him in front of the shoulder and caught the jugular he went no. like 20 yeah went like 20 yards and fell over <laughs> so i was and i said it right away i was like that's a terrible terrible shot like i have no idea what happened and um but thankfully he went he's down right there and dead um yeah that was the end of it but um that was the only part the only part that i was um not too too thrilled about but the rest of it was a blast great learning experience and um you know, I was, I was super pumped and proud to finally have my, my first public land whitetail. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I like the, I like the fact, you know, everybody and their brother thinks like, you know, the further, the, the deeper, the better you are. Mm-hmm. Right. I like the fact that you're able to pick one out so close to the parking lot. And that is one of those things. I mean, anybody who's, who's hunted public ground before, like it do, it does exactly what you did. And I still do it to this day when I hunt public pieces, I walk out the parking lot, you see some rubs or you see some tracks and you're like, yeah, nocturnal. There's no way they're sitting next to the parking lot in daylight. And here they are, you're killing one next to the parking lot in daylight. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, especially guys in, in our situation where we have some experience or whatever, um, we always have this, we, we tend to have this mindset, Oh, I'm this, I'm this young guy, this macho guy that can, you know, I can freaking out, out hike anybody and get into wherever I want to go. And I'm willing to pack that deer out miles and do whatever it takes. And I, I am willing to do that. But in the same token, you got to kind of humble yourself and be like, look, 
you know, there's other people that think that and there's other people that are going to try and do that. So maybe you should think outside the box. And, and there's been times where like, you know, I, I've written off in my mind because I'm like, yeah, only a, you know, a beginner hunter would, would want to hunt right there next to the parking lot. You walk in and you see that dummy sitting there. Well, you know what? He may not be a dummy. Um, and, right. and, you know, I, I would say that I proved my own false mindset um, wrong right there just by, you know, not overlooking such yeah. a, an easy spot. Oh yeah, for sure. There are, I do have two spots that I will hunt that are under a hundred yards from my truck. Like one of them is literally a three minute walk and I see, and it's a, it's a first light. You got, you got opportunity within the first 30 minutes of some does punt, uh, coming through and this really thick stuff. Um, it's on a piece of public, but every morning I sit there, I always have does come through. And one morning I had, I had two young bucks come through and both of them, they bed within like, I don't know, 60 yards, 70 yards of these houses mm -hmm. that back up to the public. They just don't, I guess those people just never really hunt and everybody walks right past it, you yeah. know, and it's, it's got really good entry and exit and escape routes. So these deer will filter up and just come up and bed right behind these houses for the day and just watch everyone walk past them. <laughs> you know, that's the thing too. That's a great point. Like deer get super conditioned to people and activity and if it's the rut and those does are conditioned to that they're going to be there and you know obviously we know what happens to bucks that time of year they, they just get they lose their minds and so wherever those does are at that's where they're going to be and yeah you're going to get away with a lot more and that may be the spot to find them um mm -hmm. just yeah, i don't know like another thing too that i think like with the bucks like <laughs> they're not they're not stupid like if you're riding those spots off, they're most likely going to be there. Right. You know, well, like, if no, and if everybody else is riding those spots off, yeah, especially, yeah, especially close to the lot. A lot of times, um, you know, you've heard, I've heard a few people say this is that those bigger deer will kind of almost watch the lot and be like, all right, now where's this dude going? Cause I mean, if someone's, if someone's out there trying to kill you, it'd be great to know when they get there and where they go so that you don't go that direction. Right. If you right, think about yeah. it, <laughs> <They're> patterning us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I I've certainly, I've never had that happen to me. Like I haven't ever personally witnessed that or like found like a bed on a hillside or something like that, that watches people. Um, but I've heard, I've heard of it happening and, and, I've had a few instances where I come back to the truck and there's a good buck standing between me and the truck you know and it's they're not that far away i'm like what the hell are you doing here yeah. <laughs> like you're i just walked back a mile and you're standing you know 50 yards from my truck what what's going on yeah um so with this so with this spot i mean when you guys were were out scouting and and essentially putting game plans together and having sits were you guys looking for anything in particular besides or or if you were just looking for sign what is that sign that you're looking for yeah. So first off, um, I would say that, um, I'm always looking for pinch points, which I know that that's what a lot of people are were doing. And I quickly figured that out, but I'd look for a pinch point on a map, um, to basically funnel the deer. And from there I get to that pinch point and make my decision based on the sign that I'm, that I was finding, if it was gotcha. worthy of hanging a stand there. But I'm telling you, man, like a lot of those spots that I'd, I'd go into would be about a mile from the road. And as soon as I got there, um, I'd, I'd find sign of other people that being there, whether it was boot tracks, another stand, or um, even some limbs cut, which um, you, you can't do that there in, in Iowa, but fine by me, if they're going to cut limbs, um, I know that they're there. Right. So as long I'm as gonna, I don't cut the lanes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yeah. But on top of that, like if I can find there, you know, that someone's been there, I, I've yeah. pretty much written it off and right off the bat there. Um, what is that? Uh, what does that pinch point look like from like an aerial that you're looking at? Like, what are you actually seeing that you're keying in on and going, Ooh, that looks like a decent pinch. I'm looking at the topography on Onyx. Um, and then I'm looking at ag fields as well, along with um, heavy cover. So it just okay. depends, you know, every spot's different, but like if there's, say there's ag fields and then there's some, some cover pinching that is in between those two, that's pinched down, that would be something that I might look at. Um, or whether it be like hillsides that kind of pinch down into a valley right there, um, as well, I might, I might try and check one of those spots out or whatever, or, 
even um, hilltops, you know, like sometimes you have valleys on each side with a hilltop that's kind of pinched down. Um, and I might, might go look at something like that as well. Uh, sure. But it, it's just wild. Like that was the number one thing that I learned. And I'm like, man, you know, I, I think I have the knowledge to go in here and look at a map and I'll find all the good spots. Well, there's a lot of other guys out there that have that same exact knowledge as you um, and are going to try and do the exact same thing. So the biggest hurdle that I faced on this whole hunt was trying to figure out exactly what other people weren't doing. And in that, in that <laughs> instance, it was really just over, not overlooking the, the, the close spots to the, the road or parking lots. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that is certainly a, a big piece of it on public land. I know around me opening weekend is always a whole lot of chaos, like cars in every parking lot. And then after that, it really slowly trickles down and then it doesn't pick back up until Halloween. And then, and then again, it's opening it's cars in every parking lot again, you know, until gun hunting and then gun hunting is even worse for us. It's always the first in Wisconsin. It's always, uh, the Saturday before Thanksgiving is gun season. And I know doesn't Missouri have like their gun season, like right in the middle of the rut. Yeah. I wish we, <laughs> we had what you guys have. That sounds even better, but, um, Missouri moved there a few years back. It used to be like, gosh, I want to say it was like that always the second Saturday of November. And then I need to look, I need to look on my phone. Cause I don't even remember when it opens this year. Uh, it, 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 they moved it back a week further um, a few years back, but that's um, nice. And the reason Sean doesn't know this is because it's Heartland Bow Hunter. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. I should know it though because every every year now, um, whenever it's gun season in Missouri, I leave the state and go to Kansas because <laughs> I just I need a I need a breather and uh, yeah yeah and nothing against gun hunting. I, I truly I'm not hating on it whatsoever, but when we spend so much time in the woods bow hunting all year long and then you know the orange army comes out i get a little stressed out so i tend to yeah go, go elsewhere um <laughs> looks like it opens oh wait hold on that was the wrong one um deer firearms well oh that's youth jeez where the heck is uh oh there it is no, that's not. That's you know, that's, geez, where did they put that? Good lord. Um, I think anybody who bow hunts can understand, like, uh, wanting to to leave during gun season, or you know, it's like you're seeing you're seeing all these deer all the time, then all of a sudden gun season rolls around, and you like see nothing, and everything goes into hiding. Yeah. Right. And everything goes into hiding for a few weeks. It's like okay, we're we're locking down. And we're, we're staying out of the visuals of everybody. Um, looks like it opens the 13th, yikes, November 13th okay. through like the 23rd. So it's a 10 day gun season. Yeah. And so that's early. Yeah. Um, I wish it was later. Sounds like a good week to go to Kansas, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it is nice um, going to Kansas then. Cause it, it, it is the middle smack dab in the middle of the rut. The only saving grace to Missouri is I feel like we've got a lot more does than kansas does and so the majority of those bucks at that time are locked down with those and hopefully sure. staying secluded in their little hidey hole with that doe um, <laughs> and can escape the, the gun hunters most of them but i mean yeah again I, i'm not not hating on anybody that gun hunts it's just we're bow hunters and so we we uh spend all year long trying to trying to kill deer with our bows and then gun season kicks in we get a little stressed out but <laughs> yeah well i yeah and, and the big the big thing that the, how we got off on that tangent was pressure right avoiding avoiding the yeah. pressure and avoiding other people and it took you you know on that iowa hunt what was that four or five days essentially go mm -hmm. sit okay there's pressure here go sit okay there's pressure here oh we're gonna scout this it looks like there's already pressure here so it's like you know and a lot of people um, especially newer hunters or people newer to an area like you were, you have to do that like in season. Cause you can't, it's really hard to determine human pressure outside of season because yeah. people aren't out there. Like, it's not like you can go scout for human pressure in February. Right. You kind of right. can just based on litter, you know, and the amount of yeah. you know, garbage that you find, 
And that is something that I use all the time. Like if I find like a fresh Mountain Dew can or something like that, I'm like, all right, well, it looks like, you know, someone's back in here. But if I find, you know, a PBR can from 1942, I'm not worried about it nearly as much. Right. Or an old still or whatever you find back there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's a good point too. Like you're, you're right about gun season as well. Like um, it's the pressure that actually aggravates me um, because there's, there's so many gun hunters that come out, you know, when bow season opens, there's, you know, a handful of guys that are out there bow hunting when gun season opens, it's anybody and everybody that's deer hunted in their life. So it's like, it's mass chaos and (laughs) you've already got chaos going on in Missouri from the rut at that time. So that's Mm -hmm. a big reason why I wish they would, um, they would, they would move the season, but that's, yeah, see that happening in, in Wisconsin. I think there's, 550 or 600,000 hunters mm-hmm. and um, about 80 to 90,000, 80 to 100,000 per year are bow hunters and about three to 400,000 are gun hunters. So, I mean, you're talking, you know, significantly 4X more people in the woods. Yeah. Um, so if you're seeing, you know, 10 cars, all of a sudden you're seeing 40 and that mm-hmm. seems to be about, about right where I'm, where I'm at. And I'm in between Madison and Milwaukee. So it's a highly populated area and I don't even attempt it. Like I will go, I will drive an hour and a half to a piece of public that is way far from people just to get away. And even then I still run into people, but it's, it's thousands of acres and, and you can always wander around and go for a nice hike with it, with your rifle. yeah that's what i do at least that's pretty cool though um and yeah that that actually sounds that sounds like (laughs) a a lot more fun um it's just crazy in missouri especially because um we have so many out-of-state hunters and i'm an out-of-state hunter most of the time (laughs) all over the place so but regulations are different in other states but like with missouri it's so easily accessible for a non-resident to get a tag that there's a lot of people that come here and I, I don't yeah. have the, the stats like you do on it, but I mean, it's, it's wild how many um, different hunters you see from. Well, especially if you're gun seasons during like the end of the rut, or you can still mm-hmm. catch rut action, you know, yeah. that's yeah. always going to be a good draw for people to get in there with a gun. Yeah. And everybody knows like Northern Missouri is, is pretty dang good. And so like, yeah, it can be super <laughs> rural, but you, man, it's still a massacre with guns whenever, whenever it opens up, but. Yeah. Um, okay. So with the, um, with the Iowa hunt, it was, it was really trying to find the pressure. Um, you've started off looking at, at pinch points from aerials and topos, trying to find those, those didn't seem to work out. You said the buck came in and, and hit a scrape. Was that, what was the sign that you were seeing by the parking lot that led you to think, okay, there are deer kind of in this area. I found a handful of scrapes right off the bat and then a really nice rub line right in right there, not far from that. And so there was an ag field, maybe it was an alfalfa field, whatever it was, um, of private just caddy corner across the parking lot from from where um, I was finding this sign and actually where I was hunting. So I believe I'm sorry, did you just say caddy corner? Yeah. Isn't it kitty corner? I thought it was caddy corner. Maybe it is kitty corner. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Is that a is that a Missouri thing versus Wisconsin? I have no idea. I feel like it's kitty I'm corner. Not, I don't know. Maybe it I've is. never. <laughs> no. I anyway, keep going. Keep my grammar is off, but <laughs> no, no, no. That's fine. It, 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 we can just leave it as a Missouri thing. Someone awesome. from Missouri will write in and say, "No, no, no. Sean's wrong." Or, "Yeah, Sean's right." What the hell are you Wisconsin folk calling it? Who knows what Arkansas people call it. <laughs> i'm saying that because right. chandler's from arkansas so i always give him oh time. nice all right um, but anyway it's just across the parking lot uh, <laughs> on the other side diagonally um there's uh like an alfalfa field up on the hill and so i think a lot of those deer were coming from that bottoms area and bedding areas right there near where i was hunting and heading up that way um in that general direction and so gotcha. that was kind of the reason too i was like man we'll give it a shot but maybe this stuff's at uh, maybe this deer sign's happening at nighttime when everybody leaves that, that might be hunting down here or whatever. Um, but mm-hmm. apparently that wasn't the case the evening that I was there. It could have been the rut um, that played into that. Maybe it was mostly nighttime activity, but I don't know. I'll take the luck if that's what was going on. Yeah. Um, they were there in daylight and that was, that was a pretty awesome hunt. But it was, 
in your story, it sounds like it was the most sign and like the freshest sign that you were finding just in general. Yeah, I would say it definitely was. Um, and with it being as hot as it was in that, that it was a south wind because I didn't have any other options to hunt at that time, I remember. Um, and so we were like, let's go in there and just hang a stand and see what happens. So it was fresh sign, didn't have any other options on a south wind. And um, it sure. was, yeah, it was just somewhat dumb luck, somewhat strategy. So. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, you, you could have hung a lot of different spots and you just picked a spot that had a decent sign. Like I, yeah, I say that you said you only had one spot to hang for a South wind, but there's a lot of different trees that you could have set up in for a South wind. You could have gone and tried to play. I know I have before, like, I know this is really only good for a North wind, but I could try to play this as an, a slightly off wind for South and sneak in here. Yeah. Um, you could have tried to do that because it is public. So if you blow it, whatever, it doesn't matter to you. Right. Um, and I know I've done that before. It's like, well, I know I'm not supposed to hunt this on this <laughs> wind, but today I'm hunting this on this wind. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, so yeah, there's, I mean, so essentially, you know, find that sign set up on it. There wasn't a whole lot of pressure. Did the deer see the guy's truck? Do you think they could have seen that other dude's truck? Um, not where they were at because they okay. were the opposite direction of, of where his truck was. And they were on the other side of the Creek. Uh, mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't think so. Uh, I could just barely see his truck too, where I was at. And then on top of that, depending on how much pressure, which I don't know how much pressure, uh, is in that parking lot. Maybe they're used to it. Like we were saying, and they're just yeah. used to the, the, the vehicles being parked there and people walking in. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that those deer could see his truck where they were at. Did you, yeah. Okay. Um, and I was just curious about that because it could have been interesting to he- see that here that, yeah, they looked right at it and then they just didn't care. He that would have been awesome. Rut, he was yeah, in that rut mode. Been, <laughs> yeah, that would have been really, really cool. In uh, that time of year, it, that wouldn't shock me to, if it did happen because, I mean, we've all seen how, how dumb deer can start to get that time of year and just. Yeah, driving down really, the road and there they are yeah. out in the field. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they just become oblivious or just don't, literally just don't care anymore because you know, their number one goal at that time is to breed and reproduce. Yep. So. so do you think, you know, from you said, you said that that buck, that little buck had a couple does and he was kind of pushing them around and grunting at them. Um, where, did you think you got close to like where those deer were bedded? Like, did they just kind of stand uh, up and start milling around? No, they came? no, they definitely, those deer, well, the, the buck that I killed for sure came from a ways away. Um, the other, uh, the other deer, no, they kind of just started to filter in. I could, I could hear rustling first, which was the same thing that went with the buck that I killed, but I could hear the rustling in the leaves and stuff first. And okay. then um, the does kind of came trotting into sight from a ways. And then he was trailing them. That little buck was. Gotcha. So, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think they were. Um, and we kind of, you know, we, we didn't tromp around too much, but there were some trails in there. We were checking out when we first got there and I wanted to actually go a little further in maybe another hundred, 200 yards. And, and I, but we were unsure at the time, um, what that might lead to. So what we did was we traveled that Creek system on, um, walking up it and it had, it was, it's really deep, really steep, probably like a 10 foot drop and add some water in there. So we used that Creek system to travel on, to go up there. And then we climbed up the Creek bank and stood on the edge and looked around further up the creek for a spot to um hang a stand and we're like man nothing looks good in here like there's nothing that's really catching my eye so we backtracked and went back and hung where we did and honestly if we would have hung a stand where uh, we had popped up on the creek i'd have probably had like a 15 20 yard shot at the buck that i ended up killing but i mean obviously it all still worked out great but yeah um yeah it was okay it, it was it was it was interesting i I don't think that, uh, yeah, I don't think those deer were bedded too terribly close. Yeah, no. And I, I'm curious about that because, um, I was wondering if you uh, accidentally got really tight to a bedding area and it's like, it just worked out and they just stood up and all of a sudden they were there, but you know, it sounds like you just kind of set up and what, what happened was you were in a, a makeshift like a non-topographical or aerial photo um aerial map pinch point and they were all kind of coming 
to this area and they were going to work their way to those alfalfa fields is that what it's i do like? i do think that yeah i do think that i was kind of in like the crossroads of trails uh in between yeah. bedding areas but i i would say those bedding areas were three four hundred yards away in each direction from me so i don't think okay. they were too terribly close and i wasn't like right up against them by any means uh, and uh, you know the more that we talk about this with my <laughs> my tag this year i I probably will go back to that spot and, and at least check it out. I know I'll go back and check it out again this year, um, whether I hunted or not, it will be a different story, but I'm, and I'm, I'll at least put a trail camera in there to see what's going on. Um, and you're making me more curious about it just by talking about it. Uh, <laughs> I just want to know, you want the information to, yeah. to yeah. say, was this pure luck or is this like a consistent thing that I can do every year? Yeah. And you know, know, knowing what was on my trail camera and the activity that I was getting there, um, it was definitely a good spot. There was just a lot of nighttime activity on my trail camera, not much daylight. But sure. again, I mean, there was daylight deer that were right in front of me the night that I hunted or evening that I hunted. So I, I would say it's it's probably a pretty good spot. Um, yeah, that's one of those things that just because your trail camera, like trail cameras can't give you 360 degree, you know, imagery all the time and, and hear and see everything, right? They give you, they give you a snapshot in time of a specific angle. So it's entirely possible that, you know, during daylight hours, deer are going by that trail camera. They're just going behind them like 20 yards or yeah. out of range, like 20, 30 yards. Um, and then they're coming back at night and they're passing through that trail camera at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. on their way back to wherever they're bedding. And that's what's wild is um, that you, you bring up that point. Like, so where he came from, he came from the exact same direction as where my trail camera was. My, I'd say my trail camera was 300 yards from me and I could see him 100 yards coming. So, I mean, he came from right there. I had my trail camera in there on some other scrapes that I had found two to three weeks before that. And that's where I, that's where I put my trail camera right on some scrapes had like that 150, 160 buck hit that scrape a handful of times. Um, in fact, that little buck that I, that I had by me bumping the does, he was on there and then some other bucks, but the buck that I killed was not on that trail camera ever. Ever. Yeah. And he came right from that direction. Yeah. Yep. Right. It's, so it's yeah, wild. who knows? Maybe he was slipping in that Creek system, like you were saying, and he was hiding himself too. Yeah. Or maybe it was the first <laughs> time that he ever, you know, ever just ventured into there because it's the rut. I don't, I don't know, you know? Right. Yeah, no. And that's, that demonstrates the value. Like if you're out, it's early November um, and you're unsure, like maybe you've, maybe you've tried a few of your good, your quote unquote good spots and you're not finding anything. You know, I, I like the, the thought that you get, that you guys just kept moving, just kept moving, mm -hmm. just kept trying different spots until you, until you found something that you like, were you guys sitting mainly most of the day? or at least in the woods um, most of the day, yeah, or were you guys just, focusing? I would say, yeah, you know, that time of year, um, very seldom do we actually sit all day long. Um, I get so restless and so does, so does Chandler. Like we, a lot of times I would say during the rut, um, we try to sit longer in the mornings than we do the, the evenings. So we'll try to sit till 11 or 12, um, in the morning. And then we'll get back out as quick as we can, <laughs> which sometimes is one, two o'clock, um, ideally. Sure. Um, but sometimes it could be a little bit later if like we went and got lunch, got tired and wanted to take a little snooze or something. But ideally, if we can take like a two hour break in the middle of the day, um, that I would say that's probably a t an average typical day or to go check trail cameras or go move um, a stand or check, just see what else is going on, whatever it may be. Right. Um, but, you know there's just when we've been you've been hearing it i'm sure most of your life as well like a lot of guys have luck right in the middle of the day noon one o'clock they may have luck so i mean it's the right you never know when it could happen it could happen at right. any time um and that's the beauty of it and like what you were just saying um trying different things you can get away with so much during the rut and so your luck can switch and swap around like in the blink of an eye and in fact i'm, I'm thinking of a buck that I, I killed a few years back that um yeah and i i think there were a few variables going into play there but uh i had i think some pictures of him yeah i had pictures of him about a mile from where i killed him uh early on in the year but i had zero pictures uh where i was at of him at all and i killed him 
I think the very, it was the, the second to last day, I think of um, Missouri's rifle season him with a bow. And he, um, he came venturing in there and I, I bet he had to walk within the vicinity of three other trail cameras, never got anything of, of him and ended up killing him right there. But he's an old deer and he'd been shot in the face with a rifle. Um, through the, yeah, basically through like his nasal cavity um, and it exited right there too. So it obstructed his breathing. You could hear him breathing and he was already, it was getting infected and everything. Um, so I think that went into play too, why he was there, but yeah. also the rut as well. Like, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Right? No, I, man, that sucks for that deer and not shame on that hunter for, for popping him in the face, but yeah. I'm sure it wasn't on purpose or anything. Right. I hope you would hope it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> you just, never know. You don't yeah. know. I mean, it could have, could have been, uh, just, a freak deal and completely whiffed might have lost the hunter may have just literally got buck fever and that happened i don't know it's right yeah but uh you know and you like yeah like you say your luck can turn around any minute in, in, during the rut and as long as i think the the main thing is being in that crossroads mm -hmm. finding that crossroads and if if you found one try to find five so then you can jump from one to one to another and and you mentioned the other thing was that you were walking kind of that whole area like you were walking around you were scouting you were hunting you had been there you know a couple of days earlier like i think people tend to in the early season people are so cautious like oh i can't hunt yet it's not the right wind I, you know i have to be right it has to be right for me to go in here otherwise i'm going to spook this deer and it's never going to come back and that certainly is possible during the rut, but it's a lot less likely, I guess. And you can get away with so much more um, because there are a lot of other hunters out there. And I think yeah. there's something to be said, you know, in a few podcasts that I've done this year and a few last year, there's something to be said about like a, a deer catching your scent of your boots on the ground as they touch the ground for two seconds. And then you lift your foot and take another step versus a deer catching a full nostril of you from a tree stand. You know, there's, there's certainly differences in there in terms of the danger level that these deer um, perceive you as. I right? agree a hundred percent with that. that. That's exactly right. Like uh, for instance, that, that comes to mind a hunt that we had just five, four or five days ago. I was filming Chandler out in Kansas. Uh, we we're trying to stalk a buck in a Milo field and it was a failed attempt um, the first evening that we tried it. And we, we saw this buck stand up. We moved in on him on the downwind side and he was just up feeding and we're getting closer. And then all of a sudden he kind of dis disappears. And I'm like, oh, did he go over the hill? Like, where's he at? You know, Chandler can't figure it out. And Chandler's like, I think he may have bedded back down. I'm like, no, man, like the sun's setting. Like, why would he do that? Well, he's like, what do we do? I'm like, I don't sneak up there because the, you know, the ridge line kind of peaks and maybe we'll be able to see him over the other side. So we get up there pretty close to where he's at. And we're looking, looking, Chandler's like, I don't see him. And then all of a sudden he's like, he's right here. He's within 20 yards laying there in his bed. And you can just see his rack pointing our direction. So he had laid back down. So we, we got down and I was like, let's just wait here and try to get a shot. Well, as soon as we crouched down, Chandler's like, he's up. I'm like, he's up. He's like, yeah, he's, he's looking our way. I'm like, all right, um, wait till he, you know, loses attention or whatever, um, turns his head, something. And draw your bow so he draws his bow and we pop up the deer spooks he sees us stand up and spooks well he since he's upwind he doesn't really know what we are he he runs probably 150 yards out and then he he's out there kind of just looking back but he can't even pinpoint us at that point where we're at because we crouched back down so he gets curious and he starts to circle and like he's circling downwind he's trying to get a whiff like <laughs> right now he's spooked a little bit he's cautious but he doesn't yeah. know what we are once he gets that whiff he's going to know exactly where we are and we are not going to see him again. So we were trying to cut him off from getting our win, which we, we moved backwards on him as he was moving, we would move and back and forth. And, um, he finally figured it out. He got back, to, he got to 40 yards and, um, knew that we were trying to cut him off, but he never got our win. And he ended up just kind of bounding off and leaving slowly. But like you just said, if he would have gotten our wind, he's gone. Yeah. So, right. I mean, I think if they, if they get a slight, you know, a um, bit of caution that you're there, you know, that, that's one thing. If they get the full on whiff or full on, you know, 
<laughs> scare the hell out of him. Right. Not He's gone. Him. Yeah. For, <laughs> for a while. So. Yeah. And, I, and the reason I kind of brought that up is because, like I said, people tend to think that they need to have perfect scenarios. And, and once season starts, it's dangerous to scout. And that's not the case. Like you can still continue scouting through season and you should, because if you're hunting a spot and you get out there and you think this is the best crossroads ever and you get there and there's like no sign, you can see another tree stand. You see some trash on the ground, like, all right, I guess this isn't, what are you going to do if you don't want to scout? Like you have to, that's the only, yeah. that's the only option is to go scout and find a new spot or, or multiple new spots. So I, you know, and trying to find those crossroads, that have the sign, they have the rubs, they have the scrapes, they, they have the tracks that say, okay, there are deer here. And then at that point it's up to, is this nocturnal or diurnal activity? And some of it can be nocturnal, some of it diurnal. And during the rut, you don't know. You're right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anything can, I mean, seriously, anything can happen. And if there's sign there, I, I mean, uh, we're always learning every year. We learn something new. If there's sign there, and you think it's nighttime it may be at nighttime but that can change in the blink of an eye like you're saying but um i think oh i don't know i i think that i you know we always think that we've got something figured out in, in a certain way and then we're always humbled every year with something new <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's different it's, it's wild it's just right? crazy how much yeah something new always happens every year and yeah uh, yeah we don't have it figured out <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. let me ask you this when you go to scout a place do you what do you usually how do you usually approach that like do you um if you're not you're not going to be hunting like that, that that same day do you pay attention to the wind direction when you're scouting um depends on if i think personally it depends on if i think i'm going into like a bedding area type or my wind. I don't want my wind to blow into a bedding area unless that's the objective, unless I'm like, I want to see what's out here. And yeah. so you want that to happen and blow them out. Um, it's usually not like, I don't, I only do that in February when I want yeah. the deer to run out of there. And if I want them to tell me that they're there and I don't care, yeah. but other than that, no, like if I, if it's a, if I'm scouting midday, like during the rut, I'm always scouting on a pot on a wind that's positive for me. Mm -hmm. So like, if I do find a spot that I like, I can set up. Okay. Cause that's what, that's what I was going to bring up is what we, you know, we spent the, a lot of time. I'd say 50% of our time while we were in Iowa, we spent 50% of it just scouting. And when we would enter those places, those spots in my mind, I was thinking, okay, this is a, it's a North wind right now. This is what I would want to hunt this piece on. So this is how I'm going to approach the scouting and see what we can find and i i want my i want the wind in my face that's how we're going to get in there and you know that way if there's deer out there in front of us somewhere our wind's not blowing into it all and blowing the whole area out so yeah i i would agree and i think that's on that's a great point that's a great point to bring up you know mm -hmm. if you have a if you have a south wind like you guys had on the last day don't go try to scout a spot that's only good for a north wind where you have to enter from the south and you're going into the north because then you're just going to blow everything out and you might find a lot of sign, but if you find a great spot and you get set up in it, the odds of you actually seeing deer are pretty slim because you've probably blown them all out. Like as you're heading in, right. unless you're doing some crazy big J hook thing to try to get around the backside of them, which I have done, but that's, that's only been in areas that I know that I've yeah. been at before, not new areas. Cause you don't know that that's the technique you need unless you have historical information there. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yep. So then, okay. So, I mean, that's an awesome, I, I, I like dissecting that hunt from last year and you are hunting it again this year. Um, or yeah, are so you hunting a different area? I'm, I actually have, so, um, I have a statewide tag now. Oh, nice. I, yeah. So I, with that episode and everything that went down, I ended up sending, um, that into the, the DNR and, um, basically applying for, uh, I guess you'd call it an, a governor's tag but it's essentially they call it a media tag and okay. um that's a statewide tag to where i have to promote the um the department of 
natural resources. Nice. Obviously, are, Look at and, that. Uh, yeah. Mr. Famous. Mr. Pretty, famous pulling. Yeah, I don't know about that, but pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty awesome opportunity. So that is um, awesome. I can do it this year, but um, I cannot apply for it back to back years. So next year I will, will not be hunting the state of Iowa unless I somehow just miraculously draw a tag the, the old fashioned way, but I don't see, I don't see that happening. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't even know states had a media tag. So that's, that's cool. Good for you. That's, that's the only one that I know of. And, and I honestly, I, I really wish other states would, would follow suit with that. I mean, you know, there's not obviously an over-the-counter state doesn't need to do that, but um, other states that have a drawing process, I feel like yeah. they should do something like that to help promote their states. But sure. Every state's different. Um, so. I agree. So then are you heading back to that same general area? Or are you going to, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to start there. Um, but I'm, I have some other options that I, I kind of want to check out and give a try, but okay. we'll, uh, I'm, I'm going to definitely start there. And, and I think this year, my, my plan is to go a week to 10 days earlier. Um, we, we were running into quite a few hunters and I feel like, uh, I'd say at least half of them were, were non-residents like me. And so, I mean, most guys, I feel like have that same mindset. They're like, Oh man, I'm going to go to Iowa that first week, of November, the ruts just starting to kick off. It's going to be nuts. Anything can show up. And yeah, I mean, they're obviously they're not wrong with that mindset, but I, I want to try, uh, maybe that to do a pre-rut hunt and, uh, yeah, see what we can come up with. But, do you have any different, uh, different strategies that you're gonna, are you going to focus like less pinch points and something else? Or are you going to still work on pinch points and finding a hot sign in that? I'm thinking so I'm going to go off of scrape lines. That'll be my, scrape my main objective and try to get close to bedding areas and hope that I can, um, maybe pull a buck off of that. But, um, I don't know. It, I don't want to go too early to where I can't like try and decoy, but I, um, you know, I want to, I want to try and time it right, but we'll see. I'm going to, I'm going to allocate quite a bit of time to, to try and fill this tag there. So no, we'll that, yeah. Goes. Awesome. That'll be I'm cool. And sure I think, I, I think by doing that, you're going to avoid a lot of the hunters because the first week in November is everybody's like, not everybody, but most people that's like their bucket list week that they, that they schedule off every year is like first week in November. And and I think getting there just a little bit early, um, can really help with the pressure and you might, you might have more bucks to choose from. There might be less killed at that point. Um, and you can also like catch them, like you said, on that, on a kind of a scrape pattern or something like that. Yeah. Um, if the weather's right. If you know, um, it can be great. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, I know my cameras that I run on scrapes and I'm, I know you run a ton of cameras and we covered that in our last podcast, but last year my cameras were the last week of October was the hottest week all year. Yeah. Bar none, like what I had the last week of October equaled what I got the first three weeks in November in terms of pictures and buck quality. Like it was just one, it was like four or five days. They were just hammering the scrapes. Man, I, I've been raving on it for a handful of years now. It's like, I don't know. I've been asked a bunch, like, what's your favorite, um, rut time to hunt like what, what's your ideal rut date and i'm like man i wouldn't say that it's a rut date it's more of a pre-rut date like that first or that last week of october is re is really becoming my ideal time to catch uh, a mature deer on his feet i feel like because that is the that's the first time that they're really just starting to lose their mind they're looking for that very first doe to come into heat and that's when they've just they're just now becoming at that true vulnerable state to be on their feet and in daylight and um hitting a scrape whatever it may be I, I feel like it's it's an awesome time to hunt yeah yeah i i i agree and i mean my trail cameras last year showed me that and that's why yep. this year i have scheduled the last week of october off you know yep. i think it's the 22nd to the 29th i have off that i'll be hitting it hard yeah so. that'll be freaking awesome um real quick do you, this is it's on the same topic but did you notice it just crossed my mind you notice um a time period period in early november where your scrape pictures literally just completely shut off yes yeah <laughs> likewise it's just yeah it, wow. it was it was like that last week of october and then like november four like third to the sixth or something like that it was like nothing yep absolutely nothing like yep. no good bucks came back to these scrapes until like the 12th or the 13th yeah you know it's, it's like they totally abandoned them uh, uh -huh. for that two weeks and all they are is chasing Jason, yep. your puss, and then they're coming back for it. You <laughs> yeah. know, <laughs> yep. 
it's wild. like what they, it's like it's like i'm not worried about scrapes anymore there's too much running around like i don't yeah. need to check these scrapes yeah right? there's too many hot does like what am i checking scrapes for that's what i feel like happens and that's why I, I, I was a deer like the reason they check scrapes is for those hot does and if there's enough running around that pretty much every other doe is hot or 75 percent of does are hot like why am I going to spend time checking these scrapes? I'm just going to go find these ladies. I know where they're laying down. It's always a bummer for me. I love like, absolutely <laughs> love getting pictures on scrapes. I love hunting scrapes. It's so much fun. And then all of a sudden when it just goes freaking cold, I'm like, right. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, so. All right. Well, we're at about an hour. I unfortunately have to, I have to hop off. I got some work that I got to get done here shortly. Um, so Sean, where can, where can people find you? You find me on Instagram. That's pretty much where I post um, any content for myself. Heartland Bowhunters on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. Um, the Outdoor Channel. Uh, you can go to our website, get more, more of our content as well, um, which is heartlandbowhunter.com. But yeah, um, if you want to talk to me directly or whatever, just hit me up on Instagram and happy to answer any questions or whatever. So, All right. Awesome. I appreciate having you on. I know we were going to talk, I wanted to talk about some food plots and some pinch points and the decoying on, on your private pieces. And I guess we'll have to just table that for a further conversation. The Iowa, sure. the Iowa stuff was, was too good to try to dissect yeah. and figure out. So I, I, I enjoyed that. Um, all right. And everybody. Yeah. So it's Sean underscore luck, uh, L U C H T E L. And That's then right. Heartland Bowhunter. Yep. you know, find them on all, all the other platforms and everything. So, um, again, I uh, appreciate you hopping on Sean and for everybody listening, if you would, uh, please subscribe, leave a review, let me know what you thought of the episode it really helps other people find me. And hopefully some of the stuff we talked about today, if you guys are entering into a, a new piece of public or you're having a rough time, or all of a sudden you go out to a spot and someone's there and you got to start scouting, hopefully what we talked about today helps and you can get lucky like Sean. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me and uh, good luck to everyone this, this, uh, coming October, November. Yeah. All right. Catch you guys later.